I read that he was a little bit odd too, and I just thought, well, this right here, that, yes, you are correct. <laughs> he is fucking weird. He licked them. I was like, no. <laughs> let him lick his pearls, Miranda. Just let him lick the pearls, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> We are the Broke Bitch Book Club, a book club that focuses on uh, crime and thriller and mysteries and horror on a budget because some of us are broke. <laughs> we have been reading uh, The Baby Is Mine by Yinkan Braithwaite and Death on the Nile by Agatha Christie. Thank you so much to everyone who has joined in and read with us. It's been really cool seeing how you all feel. But yeah, so uh, what did you think, guys? What, what have we, how has it been this month? Really enjoyed both of this month's picks, actually. I feel like Death on the Nile was probably my favourite of the two, just because it was a full-size novel. There was more to get into. But I rated them both the same. I enjoyed both of them pretty much equally. Maybe the baby is mine more. I am very picky. And... Oh, we're all picky. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much to say about both books. Good. Well, luckily for you, you have a podcast. So <laughs> I do, yeah. You can talk about all of them. Yeah. <laughs> what have you guys been Are you both okay? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> We're all good and tired. <laughs> yes, We're tired. Three thirty uh, in the morning here in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's ten thirty here, but it might as well be three thirty when you have two <laughs> little alarm clocks. Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, I'll give you that. <laughs> we have little alarm clocks, but you can ignore them. We wouldn't get like arrested if we ignore our alarm clocks. <laughs> they can't call the NSPCC. Can you hear me? <laughs> no. Have you been reading anything good this week? What have you been reading? Good. <laughs> been reading? Don't read anything good? No. Well, don't mention it. What if they listen? Don't say that. <laughs> Talk about it if you hate it. <laughs> you can say you hate it if they're dead. <laughs> okay, well, what have I been reading? I am currently reading Wonderland by Jennifer Hillier, Hillier which is like a um, like a horror thriller um, by the same author of Jar of Hearts, which is our pick for July. So we could talk about that quickly if you want. We A uh, little segue that we have our July picks, Jar of Hearts by Jennifer Hillier and uh, The Picture of Dorian Gray. That was a perfect segue, actually. It's a very good segue. It felt very organic. Well done. Thank you very much. That was organic. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got an arc through Neck Alley of Medusa Ooh. by, um, I think it's Rosie Hewitt or Hewlett. But that I'm really enjoying that actually. It's only about 200 pages just over and I'm about halfway through. But obviously there's been a lot of things about, you know, you, you've probably seen it yourself, people talking about Medusa and how, you know, she was a victim, she's a survivor. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, it, it's I feel like it's taken a while for that to get into like literature. Yeah. So this has been interesting. And then as well, I'll be interested to read there's one coming out by Jesse Burton towards the end of the year, which is also called Medusa and is also meant to be a feminist retelling. 
So I'd be very interested to read both of those and, you know, compare and see, just see what the different takes that the women had who were writing it. I think that will be yeah. interesting. But I'm really, I'm really, really enjoying it at the minute. <laughs> okay, I'm reading Cantoras by Carolina de Robertes. And it is about, I'm like 22% through and I'm only on chapter two, which is very interesting. That's my audiobook. And I'm, I'm liking it, but I'm literally just, I haven't read that much of it. Yeah. And then the other book I have on my nightstand and I keep meaning to start. I have not started, but I'm going to start. Let's talk about love. It's an, an ace book, which is going to. was it ace? I didn't know it was ace. Yeah. Yeah, you will. If you see the cover, you'll be like, oh, yeah, because it's yeah, yeah. so purple. And it says, like, something about she's going to ace it. Oh, <laughs> of course, it's the, the flag on it. I don't know. I've heard a lot of good things about it, and I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I haven't read an ace book yet. Someone had written a review about the book and said that it wasn't right or it wasn't fair or something, that the main character hadn't told the partner, the boyfriend, that they were asexual. Oh, yeah, and it started the yeah. conversation. I remember. So shall we talk about Death on the Nile this time? Yeah, let's talk about that one first. Okay, there are going to be spoilers. Here's your warning to anyone who's listening um, that we will spoil Death on the Nile, including Who Done It. Spoilers for the book that came out in 1937. <laughs> yeah. I have some background information about Christy in case like, we want to try and kind of talk about her a little before we like, get into the book. Oh, yeah, let's do it. I'll have information about Paul. I don't want to say that. Who knows? Oh. Oh, if you no, somebody else might say that. Poirot, just say Poirot is fine. Yeah, we you're allowed to just say Poirot. I'm pretty sure that we would say Poirot. So I have I have information about him and Christy and the book and the movie. I have like a lot. Give of it. Here. Tell us everything that you know. Dame Agatha Christie was born in eight, 1890, and she was made made a dame in 1976. Her contributions to literature. Okay, that makes sense. That does make sense. And she is, she holds the record for, oh shit, where is it? Best selling fiction writer of all time. Yes. Two billion copies. Billion with a B. And something else I thought was very, very cool is that her, like her family still owns the rights to all of her stuff. You know, that's so rare these days. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. She was raised by an American father, and he homeschooled her, which is was very like strange at the time. The one thing I have that I think is interesting is that she disappeared in, for ten days in 1926. Yes, yeah, she did. yes, yes, yeah, she did. And then wouldn't say where she'd been, right? No, yeah. it doesn't. And. No, she has a, she has an autobiography. You know, she wrote a book about her life. Doesn't mention it at all. Like, <laughs> especially as a as a person who writes mysteries. Come on, that's a woman who is determined to be mysterious. Yeah, like, seriously. I thought that was like the crazy. I was like, that is next level. Like, there's an Agatha Christie episode of Doctor Who. And that's quite good. That's a good episode, actually. I like the episode. It is a decent one. Of the yeah. like, 10 that I've seen. 
Well, I've seen basically all the recent ones. And yeah, I always liked that one. And I think they're going to for being missing Ned on the to, like explain away. They do, yeah, yeah. Why she was missing. That's why she was like, missing, yeah. Yeah. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens, yeah, giant wasp. <laughs> I have information about Hercule Poirot. Oh, you do? Go on, tell us. Regale is about... Hercule Poirot. That's very American. Um, it, was, it was perfect. It was fine. This is very brief, but he was in 33 novels as a detective. And mm-hmm. his debut... Shit, where'd that go? <laughs> was The Mysterious Affair at Styles. That was his, the first appearance of him. Yes. And he apparently has a very well-known mustache. Yes, he does. He does. Poirot's got a load of weird habits, like, uh, throughout the books, from the few that I've read. Like, people are kind of just side-eyeing him all the time, like, look at this weird Belgian Oh, man. no, I saw. I read that <laughs> he was a little bit odd, too, and I just thought, well, this right here, that, yes, you are correct. <laughs> he is fucking weird. He licked them! I was like, no! <laughs> Let him lick his pearls, Miranda. Just let him lick the pearls, honestly. <laughs> it just brings to mind, like, people biting coins and being like, is it real? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And like, me no, that cannot be your first reaction. <laughs> <laughs> like, your first reaction is to lick the thing. Like a toddler. <laughs> like, so shocked. I was just like, he did not just do that. He's a grown-ass man with a mustache. <laughs> <sighs> a very impressive mustache. A very, very impressive, impressive mustache. mustache. Yeah, and what does he say? What did they? What did they say? He's the brightest man in Europe. Well, is he? He's the brightest man in Europe with the IQ of a toddler. The greatest <laughs> mind in Europe who eat, who licks pearls in front of people. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we're in 1937. We are just before the outbreak of the Second World War. Yes, and we're in the Great Depression in America. So we're at an interesting time in history, and as well, we're also. Because uh, we're in Egypt, it would be like remiss not to mention that we're talking about colonialism yeah. and British, the British Empire. Um, so that's what we're where we are. We're in pre World War Two, uh, Great Depression, and colonial, like peak colonialism, essentially. Shall we? Um, shall we talk about the book without <laughs> that in mind for now? We'll um, we'll put a pin, a very important pin, but it is we'll put one in the context for now and talk about the book as just a mystery yeah yeah so what did we think as a mystery this is your both of you right it's the first agatha christie you've ever read right yep yes so how was your first foray into christie it was good into reading christie it was definitely good i've watched plenty of the show my mom is as we know obsessed (laughs) marie is obsessed marie is obsessed with Agatha Christie. So I've watched many uh, Poirot, many a Miss Marple in my time. Yes. But this is, despite the fact that my mother has, you know, pressured me to buy probably about eight different Agatha Christie books, this is the first one that I've read. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it and I was pleased that I did. I don't, I don't know how I would have. How would I have gone back to my mum if I hadn't? Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to look her in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you're no child of mine. <laughs> this was also my first Christie, and I think it was everything I expected. It was Good, exactly <laughs> what I would have expected, I think. I don't it's brilliant, you know, as as a from 1937 perspective. 
Now, is it um, what we expect a thriller to be in 2021? No, I don't think so. But it was it was great writing for back then, and it was very twisty. And the fact that she's a woman, yeah, she was a woman writer, is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think we would call it a thriller now. It would be like a, a locked room mystery. Right. Um, and we would definitely be, like, be disappointed if it was marketed as a thriller now. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of that is because she's written all the things that we now come to expect from thrillers. So we'd be reading a thriller and we'd be like, ugh, I saw that coming. But but for Christy, that would have been original. Do you know what I mean? I mean, not all of it. She's not the first right. mystery writer, but um, these, these tropes weren't established like they are yeah. now. That a lot of people still enjoyed it in 2021 is a really good thing a really cool thing um for her that her writing has that her mystery has stood the test of time yes definitely as a mystery uh i found it i wasn't surprised by the person who did it but i I was surprised that it did end up being them i suppose um i feel like it's probably quite a typical trope now, like you were saying, that, you know, it's like, a, oh, we'll, I'll marry off this, like, marry this person and then off them for the money. Like, that's not an unheard of trope. And it was something that I guessed immediately, pretty much, upon learning that Lynette was with Simon now. Um, yeah. I assumed that that's what was going to happen. Yeah. But I feel like Agatha Christie did an amazing job of just making me doubt that constantly. She did a very good job of writing, like, perceived animosity and, like, rage between Simon and... What's her name? Jacqueline? Jackie. Jackie, yeah. Um, and I just, I couldn't figure out... I couldn't figure out how it would happen. And every single one of them has a reason to kill her. Like, everyone's got a motive. Yeah. So you, you start questioning yourself, don't you? I actually thought that it was going to end up being something I wouldn't have even vaguely thought of. It was yeah. it was very odd. I think that it ended up being exactly who I thought it was. And you've read these things, you saw these things happen, and I I don't think I put together any of it, which was insane. <laughs> like that was it was it was very. She's very clever. She's a very clever person. She is. It's impressive that she, like you said, was able to tell you like show you an obvious suspect and then have you go nah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. From the very beginning. We know who's going to die. Like, it, it, she doesn't hide who's going to die. Yeah, she makes it obvious. Like, <laughs> It's like I know who's gonna, who it's going to be because she's rich. She's married to this guy who has no money. Of course, it's going to be him. And, and I put together Jacqueline pretty quickly also. Um, but like Elle said, it's, she takes, she, it's like a bait and switch. It's like a magician. It's a great metaphor because she's, She's she's showing you what to look at, but actually all these things are happening slightly yeah. behind Absolutely. your back. Absolutely, it's a sleight of hand. And it's all there, but you're just not looking at right. it. Right, it's exactly, it's like going to a magician show and you look one way and he steals your wallet. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> and you're just there going, Agatha, where's my wallet? Right. I'll say, I think I think that it was a little overly complex for me. And a- Oh, yeah. Too many yeah, characters for me. Um, I think mm-hmm. it took me a long time to really get interested. I mean, it's at least 50% in. I was bored. I was having a hard time keeping up with characters. And even now, I could not tell you everybody. 
like they're distinct roles but it's hard sometimes when a lot is happening to distinguish who is who and i think yeah. that makes you kind of drift off a little bit i definitely think that she uses such a large cast of characters at least in this one to um to serve as a distraction it is distracting it, yeah 100% you, you are concentrating on who everyone is and why everyone would want to be involved that you're not even paying attention really to who would actually be doing it um it's the oldest trick in the book and she clearly wrote it <laughs> and she is very good at it yeah right 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 i was thinking actually i was like however this ends it's like it has to be some crazy thing you know if it's not if it's not um simon then who or simon or jackie then it's bullshit you know if there's anybody else it would be bullshit because there's only a few reasons people kill people right you know money's the biggest one <laughs> so yeah money love revenge it has all three i love it you're gonna tell me that those two were on that boat with that history and they were not the ones that killed her bullshit <laughs> while watching the movie alex says how did jackie get on the boat she's broke right and then he was like and how did she know where to be and he was like it's simon simon's telling her everything yeah right i really want to watch it now it is a fun one it's got a really good cast it's got um i have the whole co- i have the cast written right here oh yeah because you've got some information about the movie haven't you i do do you want to tell us since we're talking about the movie sure you want to hear it <laughs> Yes. I really do. I've never been more okay. excited in my life. Okay, good. So the movie came out, the, the big movie came out in 1978, and it won yeah. the Oscar that year for costume design. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Peter Ustinov. Ustinov? Ustinov? He was a pop yeah. Ustinov, Lois Childs was Lynette, Betty Davis, Mia Farrow, mm-hmm. Maggie Smith, and and Angela Lansbury. Those were all like the... Hell yeah. Those are the ones I recognize their names. Yeah, that is quite the cast, isn't it? it is. Maggie Smith is the one that I posted recently on Instagram. Yeah. Who um, is out there looking uh, like a gay icon in her... She uh... looks incredible. <laughs> She's amazing. Yes. I, <laughs> I really... That. I need to watch that version, but I can't find it. I'm... The only one I can find is that, like, show... That's so good. You should definitely watch the show. It's like properly, like Sunday. That and Murder She Wrote were just the yes. Sitting with my nan watching, watching yes. TV in the kitchen. So I wanted to talk about uh, like how we felt when, like, uh, you know, when Simon was shot, a and b when they found Lynette. I was not expecting Simon to get shot, obviously, because I mean, like, when it happened. I'm like, wait, wait a second. There's somebody, somebody's supposed to die, right? Like, this guy's not dying. He's shot in the leg. Um, so when he got shot, I was very distracted and kind of like, I feel like I was caught off guard. I wasn't expecting anyone to die right then. And all of a sudden, it's like, boom, Lynette's found dead. And I was like, I actually gasped. I honestly <laughs> gasped. Yes. I love that. Um, I think as soon as. Um... Because I knew that Lynette was the one who died. I knew that somehow from before. Um, so I was waiting for Lynette to die. And then when Simon was shot, I was like, oh, well, it wasn't him then. Like, and I immediately just I eliminated him as a suspect there and then. That's what I, how I felt when Simon was shot. I was like, ah, well, I was wrong. Never mind. Yeah, same. Yeah. Who did you think it was? I thought 
<laughs> now, hear me out. <laughs> I'm there going, I bet it's like a fucking colonel, right? Just because he seemed like the least obvious suspect. <laughs> like, it has to be him, right? Because um, in the the murder of Roger Ackroyd, is that what it's called? Yeah. I guessed that who the murderer was in that because it was the least likely person. And I was like, eh, see, called it. And so when I read this one, I thought it was going to be the same, like, trick. And it was not. He just seemed really <laughs> shady. He was so shady. But isn't, is. isn't he in other other books? This yeah, he is, but I haven't, okay. I haven't read them. So for me, that okay. was the first time I was seeing him. And I was like, who are you? I don't like it. You, yeah. you seem like you're here for nefarious purposes. It's got to be. <laughs> He's a little dodgy. Yeah, he is, but he's not. But he's the colonel and he's Poirot's friend, so he's not like an obvious suspect like the other ones are. He doesn't right. seem to have a um a motive like the others do, which is why I thought it must have been him that like there was a secret motive that we hadn't learned about yet. Yeah, I feel like initially I definitely had a suspicion about him. But when it was obvious that they were calling back to another mystery that they'd solved together, I would say, Oh, yeah. I feel like this guy's Probably just above board. I see. That's what made me more suspicious. I was like, "Yeah, he's definitely fishing." <laughs> What's he doing here again? So this was the th- this was the third one with Colonel Race in it. So yeah, so obviously people reading it back then would have yeah. known him as like, trusted a, trusted, him. Yeah. a trusted man. Yeah, I was surprised when Simon was shot by Jackie. Yeah, but I feel like at that point. I'd still been, I was expecting Lynette to die. And I was expecting now Jackie to do it. I took Simon out of the equation. So I was quite yeah. shocked that it happened when it did. Were you shocked when the other two were killed? Um, I, I don't think I was, um, mainly because I'm quite used to a high body count. Yeah. Um, and in those sorts of um, locked room mysteries, someone else starts to die off. That sense of what happened to them. So I was hoping there'd be more murders. Um, yeah. It wasn't anybody that I suspected very much. So it's not like I thought, oh, then that's a twist in the story or anything. But um I did really and en- like enjoy the theatricality of the third murder. Was it Mrs. Otterborn? Yeah. Uh, when she was murdered, I really enjoyed that because that was that's a very like mid-confession. Like <laughs> Yes, like it's taken the mic out of a lot. Yeah, and, yeah. like, I feel like it's been satirised so often, obviously, in, like, pop culture in our lifetimes, that yeah. it was quite, it was very funny. It was just interesting to see it written, and it was meant to be, like, organically and seriously, and that was obviously something I'm not really used to. I feel like it, it is used quite a lot, but I'm sure there's stuff like that in, like, scary movie and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I was I've got the person so busy talking and doing the exposition that they get killed before the before they get to, to say the bit of information. Yeah. That's one of those elements of their time, you know, like it was very like it was kind of silly. And yeah. 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 It was like murder she wrote, you know, it was a little like dramatic, which was just kind of added to the the goodness of the book. It really was just very dramatic. Yeah, it was a bit campy, but good. Yes, I love campy. The movie was definitely funny. It lent into the comedic element. So I wonder if, I don't know if the book was meant to be funny, but... I think it definitely is. There is definitely... Um, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, like tongue-in-cheek. And, you know, she she points out things to do with, like, class. And 
quite often throughout it and thinking it's meant to like, take the mick out of the elite of society a bit. Because yeah, definitely. as much as she obviously describes pretty much everyone as being kind of crap in some way, <laughs> it's, it's quite a good lens into a society that she was probably like quite a big part of herself. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of self-mockery. Yeah. Um, I think with, I thought that with um, Mrs. Otterbourne being um, a writer and being an alcoholic and I kind of felt like that was a little bit of her prodding fun at the stereotype of the woman, like the woman writer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like a bit of a lush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And also a bit like she might have been going, well, I'm a mystery writer and she's a romance writer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not like other girls. <laughs> like, okay, Aggie. Yeah, not other writers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can you hear that? Yeah. My fire alarm's going off. Are you all right, babe? I think he burnt some bread. Mom's on fire and I was just carrying on with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm committed to the bit. <laughs> right, so... Um, we've talked about it with the pin in it. Time to take the pin out, as uh, Carol says in Friends. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about it in context. Say, I think if I would have read this, like just on my own, picked it up <clears throat> off the shelf, I probably would have put it down. I probably would not have continued. Yeah, I think it is important to have that context in your mind. Of course, because it's indicative of its time. And really, I feel like when you say anything about this book, you need to like really emphasize this book was written in 1937. It was yeah. definitely written in 1937. And it has problems. And we know better now. We know better. We, we knew better back then. Yeah, she that's, knew better. I think the thing that <laughs> it's not like she was writing in to a void, she was writing in context. And there were people, right. Egyptian people, probably there going, excuse me, this is rude. Right. Yeah. We know better now, especially, and uh, there's no way this, this would have been written now. It shouldn't have really been written then the way that it was, but yeah. it was. I have a lot of quotes written down, some sexist remarks and some fat phobic remarks. And I mean, yeah. that's not even talking about the racist stuff. Yeah, I think we can kind of blanket over a little bit um, the sexism and the fat phobia because that's the um, that's the that's typical of the period. Yeah, that's very very typical. Racism, yeah, and we're talking about racism. We're literally talking about we're in. Where she, she's a British writer, right? She's yeah, she's British. Yeah, <laughs> a British writer. <laughs> yes, she is. Um, I was like, wait, hang on. Um, yeah, we were talking about a British writer writing about British people and American people and European people. And um, I don't think you can just say, you can't just chalk that up to it being of its time because that time is was a stain on British history. That's something we need to be aware of. And I think you can't just, do you know what I mean? You can't just brush that aside and say, oh, it's just of the time. What was happening at that time with British colonialism was just not okay. Um, not that sexism or fat phobia is okay, but... That can be your uh, soundbite for this, is just that colonialism was not okay. <laughs> colonialism is bad. <laughs> trailer, that's the whole trailer. The whole teaser right there. <laughs> Reviews by Hannah. 
I think that the sexism was still surprising to me. So I'm like, look here, I mean, you're a woman writer in the 30s. Like, you are a bad bitch. Don't be writing about women. Also, though, obviously, the few bits we've discussed about the baby is mine, that's rife with misogyny. And we seem to have pretty much given it a pass based on the fact it's a woman author and so is she writing through, a, like, a lens. The highlight, miso- like, the misogyny, the sexism, is, is it, like, reductive to say that Agatha Christie wouldn't have been doing that? No, 100%. We're kind of just assuming that she's... Misogynistic. ...internalised that misogyny rather yeah. than pointing it out. Definitely. Because none of the characters that we see misogyny from are... Well, none of the characters are flattering characters, are they? No. Obviously, with Poirot, he's meant to be, like you said, the best mind in Europe. But even he's, you know, he is sexist throughout. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe Agatha Christie was shining a lens on that as well. Who are we to say otherwise, particularly, especially when we're so fast to give the benefit of the doubt to a female author in 2021, writing male characters with misogyny? Yeah, I wonder, is it her internalised view? Does she really think that way, or is she making a point? Yeah. Because if, she, if it's the latter, if it is that she's making a statement, it makes sense that some of her characters, her female characters, are manipulative and shady because everyone around them is underestimating them. Yeah. Right. When, especially with Jacqueline. She's not level-headed. She couldn't possibly be manipulating the situation. Yeah, she's hysterical. Because she's a woman. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's the same <laughs> yeah. woman, exactly. She's probably on a period. <laughs> A very interesting point of view to yeah. wonder if she, if she wrote it like that on purpose. I do hope that a woman who is so clever and has such a big brain would um, be a bit more forgiving of her own gender. Yeah, definitely. And also, I feel like it could be both. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we talk enough about how we obviously still have internalised misogyny now. So there's absolutely no <laughs> reason to believe she wouldn't then. But also, yeah. I feel like it's very intentional that she's made. basically. All of the female characters are the ones who are pulling the strings in the story. Everyone, the dual thief is Joanna. The maid is, you know, she's on the rob as well, on the slide. Jacqueline was the brains of that operation. I feel like, yeah. although Poirot put it all together, he was quite dismissive of women, but, you know, women ran that whole show. And all the women are victims as well. Yeah. So all the women are victims. All the victims are women and all the perpetrators are women. It's kind of like it's the women telling the story and the men are just hanging around in the background trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Kind of genius too as a writer, you know? It makes a, it a book written by a woman woman about a bunch of women, but it's narrated by a, by a man. It makes it appealing to more... It makes it appealing to men. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Um, if you think about... Uh, I, I mean, not to be judgy, but, you know, tap tap. I listen to the Christie books on script. Yeah, script. And um, the reviews are on there. They're really interesting to see the difference in reviews between Miss Marple books and the books are Poirot books because Miss Marple's are dismissed out of almost always like, oh, this book was light. It's not light. It's the same sort of yeah. story. It's just the voice, the, the focus is from a little old woman. Yeah. I, this is my <laughs> very sexist <laughs> opinion <laughs> that men maybe feel more comfortable being told a story by a man, even if that yeah. story is about women. <laughs> I was reading a research paper about the colonialism and the, the mainly the Orientalism, I think. That was obviously very present. 
in this book. I think we've read the same research article, <laughs> yeah. And an important point to consider that they said was that obviously we know Agatha Christie is big, she's popular, but obviously she was a like pop culture popular back in the day. And that it's very important to see that although we might be able to say things were just off, it was casual and it was of its time, that people do internalise these views. People were reading these books. Yeah. And internalising these views and looking up to Agatha Christie probably as an intelligent woman who is like... Yeah, a lot of these people reading it wouldn't have been able to visit Egypt. They wouldn't have gone no. on a cruise down the Nile. We're looking at um, Christie to tell us what it's like. Yeah. And if she's telling us through Poirot's eyes, a Poirot who we trust because we've got 17 fucking books for him, <laughs> um, if we're looking through Poirot's eyes and seeing that the, the, you know, the native people, the Egyptians are, what, riffraff and fucking, like, flies, yeah. that's, that's that something you learn and yeah. wouldn't know any bloody different. No. There is definitely um, onus on Christie. She she has responsibility to, to, to do them right, to do them fairly. And yeah. She didn't, Right. I mean, she didn't. She traveled to Egypt, so she she knew what she was writing. She knew. Oh it. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So that's what I mean. She, the people wouldn't, who were reading it wouldn't have had that. So they looked at Christie to set the scene, and the scene she's setting is not a particularly flattering one. No, no. That's a very nice way of saying it. It's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does your did your copy have this about the foreword about how she wrote it after coming back from a winter in Egypt? I didn't read the forward. I never did. Neither do I. Never read a forward in my life. <laughs> it says the death on the Nile was written after coming back from a winter in Egypt. When I read it now, I feel myself back again on the steamer from Aswan to Wadi Halfa. There were quite a number of passengers on board, but the ones in this book traveled in my mind and became increasingly real to me. Okay, so the the boat is the setting. The what's it called? The Karnak is the setting. Yeah. Um. And she kind of just went, we'll just put Egypt around it. Yeah. Then that she just kind of put it in a setting she didn't really truly understand. Right. And the way that she did understand it was through a British lens. And honestly, still now, um, British nationalism and British the British narrative is pit pit we're better than everybody else. Yeah. Um, and we're Great Britain and you know, we've got the the British Empire and we we look down on these people. Yeah. And you can see that in her writing, that she, that she's not exempt from that, that she has um, bought into this narrative and she's selling it to people who are going to read it. Yeah, and it's definitely going to colour people's views and things that if, like, obviously, if you've never met anyone from Egypt or anything, you, you wouldn't think favourably of, of Egyptian people. And I saw quite a few things in articles where apparently she was kind of criticised. I'm not sure the degree of the criticism. But she was kind of criticised for setting things in places and then having basically no local colour. That, that was the actual phrase. I found the same. Yeah. So there was like no Egyptian people, was there really? Except for, obviously, the um, like salespeople, market people and things. There was like no Egyptian characters yeah. or anything. And they, would, they just happened to be in some Egyptian places. But realistically, that boat could have been anywhere. Like, that didn't... Really could have. Literally anywhere. Yeah. It didn't matter at all that it was the Nile. I feel like those ports, port calls could have just been, they didn't even need to be in there. I was just filler, I think. Right. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, the the movie was filmed on location in Egypt. And then again, there's still you know, not that many Egyptian people in the movie. Yeah. Can we talk about the movie? 
briefly because um, there is one Egyptian character in the movie and it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Well, that's not the worst thing. It is among the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. He is stupid and clumsy and um, it's a really unflattering um, character, the most unflattering out of all of them. And we've got murderers on board. So, yeah. You know. The book's written in 1937 and then the movie is written in 19, or the movie is in 1978. So we're talking about yeah. 50 years where the opinion and the the hasn't changed at all, and that's yeah. that's a that's a big deal. Fifty years is a long time. In the forward, I at the end of the forward, I think myself that the book is one of my best foreign travel ones. And if detective stories are escape literature, and why shouldn't they be? The reader can escape to sunny skies and blue water as well as as well as to crime in the confines of an armchair. Mm. yeah so i think so she does see her see it as escape literature yeah but who is it escape literature for because it's definitely not escape literature for egyptian people no, <laughs> no. That's definitely, that's no. It, we can very whitely escape <laughs> right right so i think that that says a lot about her mindset yeah so if she wrote it as escape literature then i think that there's a lot she might be a little blind to you know what i mean yeah did have um, one quote that I wanted to mention. It's not out of the book. It's out of the... It's not the Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's to do with the reception that it received. And the Scotsman Review from November 1937 finished by saying that the author has again constructed the neatest of plots, wrapped it round with distracting circumstances, and presented it to what should be an appreciative public. And I feel like that's that's perfect for what it is. It is exactly a very neat, very... She knows exactly what she's doing with that plot. And then she just shoves a load of shit on it. Yeah. And it's very, very well done. It's irritatingly well done, actually. Considering how old it is, I, I feel like more should have been obvious to me than it was. Yeah, definitely. But I enjoyed being misled so often. I enjoyed being confused. It was a nice time. Same. It is my favourite of the Agatha Christie's that I've read. The, the tightest plot, I think, but yeah, um, when you look back, it is all it's just literally just being you're being fed breadcrumbs the whole way, yeah, through and you don't have a clue. Yeah, it is genius. It's really impressed, really, really impressed. Note that I wrote was expertly woven, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just a real shame that she's a racist, yeah, yeah. I called her when I messaged Hannah, I called her a racist old ghost. <laughs> <laughs> what was that called me? Okay, so on that note, thank you so much to everyone who has listened. If you made it this far, ah. uh, you are a, a saint, truly. <laughs> but yeah, um, we will leave you to it now. Um, Let me leave and eat some pasta. Maybe come back in a week to discuss uh, The Baby Is Mine by a Yunkong Braithwaite, um, our second pick of the month. If we don't get cancelled first, we will be back. Yes, if we're not immediately <laughs> cancelled for, for saying <laughs> some of the absolute nonsense we have said <laughs> but yes thank you so much thank you bye bye bye, <laughs> bye Craig oh my god I didn't type it in give me a sec <laughs>